Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the young adult ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoy this message and we look forward to seeing you soon. What's up, Fusion? It's good to see you guys. I appreciate that, man. Whoo! It's good to be back in the building, man. I had a good Thanksgiving. How about you guys? Yeah. It's a little different this year. This, this year's a little different, just like we're worshiping a little bit differently, you know, with masks on and everything. Except for you guys online, you probably don't have a mask on. A little more free, but you're not getting it quite what we get here in the building. Do you guys agree? Yeah. It's something about being together. And, I'm, man, I'm grateful for every person watching online. And, man, you know, follow your convictions, absolutely. But there's something special about gathering together. Would you guys, would you guys really agree with that? Yeah. That was a little light. Would you guys agree that there's something special about gathering together? I like to take time to remind us of the importance of it and the beauty of it because I think this is something that we could take for granted pretty easily. Not every place around the world it has freedom where we're able to do this. You can't go to any place on the planet and worship God in a gathering like this in freedom. So there's something special about when God's people get together and when we have the freedom to do so. So I would just encourage you to be grateful for that, to not forsake that. The Bible says to not forsake assembling together as some have chosen to do. But it's God's will that we gather together and worship him. And, and he's always been, from the very beginning, seeking to gather a people together to be his very own. And so I don't take it lightly, and I encourage you guys to not take it lightly that we have the opportunity to take part in, in what's been God's heart forever, for people to be connected in his name, worshiping him together. And you know, we've been in this series talking about true worship and what worship really looks like and the fact that worship is a lifestyle. And it's no uh, small thing that we have the opportunity to live a lifestyle of worship to God through Jesus Christ together. That's special in the opportunity that we have uh, to do that in freedom. So I just wanted to share that with you guys. It's something to be grateful for because this is a season and every season is a season where we need to be reminded of what we have to be grateful for. But I think especially right now, some of us need to be reminded. I think we all need a little reminder uh, of what we have to be grateful for. We're coming into the Christmas season and, you know, people are at different places in terms of their holiday spirit. You know, raise your hand if you're a big Christmas person. Okay, okay. About half of you guys got really excited. <laughs> and the other half, you're like, eh, it's cool. You know, we all have different feelings about it, and that's fine. Uh, but, man, something, you know, Paul even says in Scripture, you know, some people are, you know, they're going to uh, participate in certain holidays to God's glory based on their convictions. And some people are not to God's glory based on their convictions. And whatever you do, do it unto God. And so some people are like, nah, I'm not participating in Christmas because it's pagan traditions, which y'all be, you know, putting up the trees and all that stuff. I don't do it. <laughs> I respect it because the Bible says, man, if that's your conviction to follow that. But he also says not to let that divide you because some people, they're like, yo, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ coming into the world. And I'm doing that to his glory. And so the word of God says for us to be joined together on those things. And, and as we're speaking about this season, it's some, there is something special that took place 2,000 years ago when God sent his son into the world. That is a gift that we should be grateful for. And in this season where we're doing a lot of thinking about gifts, doing planning for gifts, doing budgets for gifts, trying to be creative with gifts, trying to make lists for gifts that we want, as cheesy as it may sound to some of you, man, it's so important that we remember what, what my dad would say is the reason for the season. <laughs> Jesus, he's the gift. 
Jesus is the gift. And no matter what's going on in, in our lives, no matter what's going on in the world, when we have an understanding that Jesus is the greatest gift that we've ever been given, it'll reflect in how we live our lives and it'll reflect in how we worship because worship is a lifestyle. Worship is about how you live your life. And so when we understand the gift of God, it shifts how we do things. And, and that's what we're gonna talk about tonight. Tonight's message is called The Gift of God. It's very simple. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but this series has been very simple. I'm just opening up scripture, we're unpacking it, uh, and I think it's so important for us to understand core foundational things because I'm seeing a lot going on, especially among our generation, social media, conversations that I'm having, where people's priorities are all over the place. And as a pastor, it's my heart that we would always remember our first and foremost priority and, and the gift that Jesus Christ really is. But right now, I think that's a little challenging. Do you guys, do you guys agree that it's a little challenging to stay focused on the good right now? But that's the world that we live in. And a world without Jesus is a world where it's hard to see the good because Jesus is the good. Jesus is the vehicle that all good comes through. Jesus is God. He is the vehicle that all goodness comes from and through. And if we don't have him, we're not gonna be able to see the good. And so when you're living in a world that doesn't see the good, you as a follower of Christ, you have the vehicle that good comes through and your perspective should be different. If you understand the gift that you have in Christ. It should affect the way that we live and we should think differently. We shouldn't be as worried as the rest of the world is. It's quiet out here, online. You shouldn't be as worried as the rest of the world is. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He's the gift, he's the provider, He's everything that we need. And I think that it's difficult for so many of us to really grasp that. And it's my prayer that that simple thing that you may be wrestling with in your mind, for some of you, you may hear that. And as I'm saying it, you're like, yeah, but what about this? What about that? We got real issues, this and this and that. My, my prayer is that something wakes up on the inside of you because there's still something. If you're saying, yeah, but then you don't fully know the gift. And, and I'm not coming at you, but this is a key for your life. As human beings, Jesus Christ is the utmost priority, the core ingredient to meaning in life, purpose in life, fulfillment in life. It all comes through Jesus. He's not some, something that we have in our back pocket. He's not something that we have. He's everything. Jesus Christ, it should flip your world upside down when you follow Jesus. Like you don't think the same as the rest of the world that doesn't have Jesus. He's not an accessory. It's not, yeah, I'm out here doing this and this and this and this. And guess what? I'm a Christian too. Because that's how so many of us are living our lives and it's not benefiting us. And then we're like, oh, well, I'm not experiencing the benefits of God because you're not all in, because you don't understand the gift. If you understand the gift, it'll affect how you move. And I, and I want to look at where Jesus explains this to somebody. Uh, and so, man, let me pray and we'll dive into it. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I'm excited. I'm excited because life change happens through your word. When we understand the simple things, the gospel, though there are a lot of complexities in life, at the end of the day, it all boils down to something simple. You have offered your hand. You have offered relationship to us. You have given us the path. You have given us the way. You have given us the truth. You have given us the life. And if we understand that, if we grasp that, we will have everything that we need in life. 
And so, Father, I know that there are a lot of people watching online. There are a lot of people uh, in here who have concerns, who have priorities all over the place in life and, and a lot of justified reasons for feeling the way that they feel. But God, I pray that you would wake something up on the inside of our hearts where we would be able to treasure you in the way that we really should. Lord, that something would wake up in us where we're able to see you the way that we need to see you. Lord, I pray that heaven would touch earth in this moment, that heaven would touch earth in our lives, Lord, that, that you will, will shift in our minds from this distant God to us understanding that you're right here, Lord, and us seeing your glory, us understanding. You said, do you not understand? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would give us understanding because these are things that we need to understand. And some of us are being held back because we just don't understand. It's not that we're not doing the right things. It's not that we're not saying the right things. It's not that we've messed up. It's not that, it's just we don't fully get it. And if we got it, it would change how we responded. It would change how we behaved. It would change how we live our lives. It would change how we approach you. And so Lord, I just pray that you would align our hearts that you would give us eyes to see. You said those who have ears to hear, let them hear. So I pray that over your people. Lord, I pray for ears to hear right now because our ears are hearing everything else. Lord, I pray that we would hear you and your truth in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so if you have your Bible or if you wanna scroll to your Bible, uh, Let's turn to John 4.10. This is, this is actually where we started the series, uh, where Jesus was approaching a woman at a well, a Samaritan woman at a well. Um, and God just brought me back to it, man. There's so much here. The Bible, I'm telling you, I try to tell you guys all the time, man, the Bible, it just, you, it just never runs out. He just never runs dry. You can read the same scripture over and over and over and it never runs dry. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. They'll never get old. They'll never get stale. They'll never lose power. They'll, they will never lose the ability to move and shift things in your life. They will never become less true. And because of that, we can look at what he's saying to this woman and read it as if he's saying it to us today because he is, his word is still alive. In John 4.10, he says uh, to the woman at the well, Jesus answered her, if you, somebody say it, knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So Jesus approaches this woman at, at the well, and we talked about this before, this was uh, an uncommon interaction that was taking place for a Jewish man to be talking to a Samaritan woman, uh, a poor Samaritan woman. She had a lot of strikes against her as who the son of God would be going out of his way to interact with. And especially him, him asking her for a drink. It was just very unorthodox. It was against culture, all those things. She's like, why would you be asking me? Jews don't talk to Samaritans, all those things. You guys remember the story? Some of you guys do. Okay, cool. I caught some of you guys up. Um, and so she's like, hey, why are you asking me about this? And, and Jesus responds to her with this. He's saying, if you knew, if you knew, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is that just asked you, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And this word know here, it's not super complex. It just means to be aware, to behold, to consider, to perceive. And he's saying, if you knew, if you knew better, you'd do better. The son of God, Jesus Christ, prophesied about for thousands of years, shows up on earth, fulfilling all the prophecies. He's doing miracles. He's preaching. He's, he's flipping things upside down. He's saying, you've heard this, but I'm telling you to live this way. And, and I know you're familiar with the law and the prophets. I'm the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Everything in human history has been leading up to me. 
This person, God himself, God, God. Because some of us, we, we hear it and we're just like, oh yeah, Jesus. God. God is not a man. He came in the form of man, fully man, fully God, but God in himself is different than us. The spirit of God. He comes to earth, puts on human flesh, and is walking around talking to people. And people are interacting with him as if he's common, as if he's just anybody. She's like, why are you asking me? This is God. Somebody needs to get this. If you knew the opportunity in front of you, if you knew what a relationship with God is actually offering you, you would be responding to him differently. Your life may look a little bit different if you knew the gift of God. He didn't just say, if you knew who I was. He started off, if you knew the gift that God was giving to humanity and who it is that's standing in front of you asking you, you actually would have asked me. Think about it. In your life, are you in any situations where you're maybe looking to the wrong source for your fulfillment? Is there anything inside of you that maybe doesn't fully recognize God for who he really is? If he says, I'm everything that you need, is there anything in your life that may be saying otherwise? Is it possible that you're living according to a different understanding? Is, could it, is it possible that you could be pursuing things that won't fulfill you and, and it's difficult for you to understand really what the gift of God is. Because I think in our culture, it's easy to say, hey man, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm saved. And how we live after that statement gives us everything that we need to know about what we understand about that statement. I'm taking my time through this because I want this to sink in because if we, if we feel like, oh, we already got that, that alone shows that you don't. He's saying, if you knew who it was that's speaking to you right now, you would be begging me for what I have to offer you and you still think that you're the one who has something to offer me. But look at the grace and the love and the humility of God himself to even have this conversation. I mean, this is, some of you guys have probably experienced this where somebody says something to you and something in your mind says, do you know who I am? <laughs> have you ever felt that way? And you don't even really have a reason to feel that way. Because you're just a person. You're not that big of a deal. I'm sorry. But it's important that we understand that because we got to understand the gift of God. That is not us who has something to offer him. And so some of us, we wrestle with relationship with God like, oh, God, man, I'm doing all this for you. You're not even. I'm doing all this for you. Is this even worth it? These are real thoughts. I've been there. Like, ah, I don't know if going all in for God is really worth it because everything out here seems so appealing. I just didn't know the gift of God. I was still feeling like I had something to offer. Like, <laughs> like I'm a draft pick, right? Like, oh, I'm trying to figure out where I'm going to take my talents. And that's how some of us are operating. I mean, think about it. No disrespect to her, no shade. She's poor. She's been divorced five times. She's probably not the best with relationships, but she might've ran into some bad people, I don't know. But she just doesn't have the best track record. 
She's part of a culture that is inferior in that they didn't really have uh, access to God in the way that the Jews did. So they were a branch off from the Jews, but they were a mixture of other cultures, of other philosophies. So even the discussion that she gets into him with about um, where to worship, she's like, you Jews say to worship over there, but we say that we're supposed to worship over here. What do you think? And it shows she wasn't a part of God's chosen people. And this is Jesus. And she has the nerve to say, why are you asking me? And so Jesus is responding saying, if you knew who I was and the gift that God is giving to all of humankind, you would have asked me and I wouldn't have hesitated and tried to hold a conversation and stall like you're doing. I would have given you something better than what you're even asking for because they were at a well and that's still water. But the concept of living water was fresh flowing water. And he's saying, I would have given you a better water than what you even asked for but she didn't know. And I feel like a lot of us, man, I'm seeing it all over the place. We feel like we're the gift. Can I be real? Influencer culture, it's invading, even in the church. Everybody's trying to be the gift. Everybody's trying to be the voice. Everybody's trying to have the wisdom, the thing to share. Jesus is the gift. Jesus is the gift. And you'll spend your whole life chasing the wrong thing if you don't get that. And I really do believe, I'm not even saying this to come down on people. I really do believe this, it's a lack of understanding. You just don't get it yet. If, you, if you're trying to be the big deal, you don't get it yet. I've mentioned this before, I think like last year. Do you guys think there are going to be celebrities and influencers in heaven? Not about whether certain celebrities are going to go to heaven, but will they be celebrities in heaven? Do you think you're going to be a celebrity in heaven? Like People are going to be like, oh man, I can't wait to go see. God is going to be the main attraction. And for Jesus to tell us to pray, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, means that our lives here should look like our lives will look in heaven. And so a lifestyle of worship starts making sense because in heaven, everybody knows the gift. Nobody's confused. Everybody knows the main attraction. Nobody's competing. The one person who tried to compete became Satan. Nobody did that again. Him and all his people got kicked out. And they're here running around, running the world that we're so attracted to. The one who got kicked out of heaven. The one who rejected the ultimate gift who no longer has an opportunity to receive relationship with God, is running the world that we live in. The Bible tells us that he's running this world and he's blinding the eyes of people so that they can't see the gift of God. They can't see the gift of relationship with God, what a gift it is. And so everything is presented to you as such a big deal. Oh man, you should want fame. You should want all this money. I don't know how many times we have to talk about this, probably every day, because it's, it's so embedded in our culture. But I, I want to ask you a question, and you don't have to answer it out loud. Just ponder it in your heart. Do you think more money is going to make you happy? Do you think more influence is going to make you happy. But this is what the world is selling you. 
And the crazy thing is the goal of life <laughs> is not even to be happy. I know, how, I know that's shocking. I know it's shocking. It's not saying that God doesn't want us to be happy, but happiness can't be our God. God is our God, whether we're happy at the moment or not. Happiness is fleeting. You think Jesus was happy on the cross? No. So it goes to show that there are some times in life where it's God ordained that you're not happy. Oh, man. And there's glory that God gets when we worship him and we're faithful to him and we express our gratitude to him even when we're not happy. The Bible refers to Jesus Christ as a man of many sorrows, acquainted with much grief. Read Isaiah 53. Paints a picture of the life of Jesus before he ever shows up. And then Jesus actually lives this out. And it's not a glamorous life. Saying, man, who has believed us? To who has the arm of the Lord been revealed we viewed him as a nobody. He was despised. There was no beauty about him that would attract us to him. He was like one from whom men hide their faces. Yet, it was for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And we thought he was stricken by God. But there was something deeper happening through his pain. But if we have happiness as our God, and that's what the world is chasing, never get it. I don't know if you guys have noticed. And I know we talk about it all the time, how social media is a highlight reel and you're not really seeing everything that's going on in people's lives, but somehow we still are deceived into thinking like, oh man, this person is doing so much better than me. Man, if I could just be like this person, or if I just had that, and then we're walking around discontent off of what we think is going on in somebody's life. And we don't know the gift of God. Because if we really know the gift of God, our entire lives should be an expression of our gratitude. If we really know the gift of God, our entire lives should be an expression of our gratitude. That's true worship. Your entire life. I want this to sink in. Your entire life should be an expression of your gratitude if you know the gift. Here's something to help you to know the gift. We've been looking at the parallel between like, we're, we've been looking at this, the Old Testament and Moses and the Israelites and God revealing himself to them and giving them the law and establishing culture with them and, and pursuing relationship with them and how he established it. Uh, and then we've been looking over here in the New Testament at how Jesus fulfills it. And if we don't understand, like if we don't ever read in the Old Testament and if we never dive into like these earlier books like Exodus and Deuteronomy and Leviticus, it makes sense why we don't know the gift of God because we don't understand the history behind things. We're walking around in grace and we're under a, a new covenant. Does anybody know that there was an older covenant? Does anybody know what a covenant is? A covenant is an, ag an agreement signed in blood for life that you can only get out of through death. And so God made an agreement with the Jews, first establishing his own people, implementing his culture, making an agreement with them, and then died to end that covenant, rose back up to life and started a new covenant with us. That's why Jesus, when he's talking to his disciples before he goes to the cross and, we're, and they're taking communion, He's saying this cup 
represents my blood of the new covenant. Because when I shed my blood, it's going to establish a new covenant because forgiveness of sins is going to be given. But if we don't understand what the old covenant was like, it's hard to appreciate the new one. We don't deserve a covenant at all with God. All have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Back in Isaiah 53, it also says, like sheep, we have all gone astray. Each and every one of us in our hearts have turned away from God. And we continually do it. We wrestle all the time. And I, I, I got to imagine that that's challenging. Now, I know that God can handle it, but it's got to be challenging that we really like, we weigh like God and like our bills. Like, ah. <sighs> God or this relationship? Like, ah. Like, think about it. We don't understand the gift of God. And we need a revelation of the gift that God has given us, the gift that he is to us. He is everything. And yet, I mean, we're weighing him against these temporary things that can't fulfill us. And so the reality is we get deceived into thinking that there's actually a competition. And so we'll think like, okay, this thing could offer me fulfillment or I could try to find it in God. Like that's, that's really a lot of our mindsets. Like I know, like this thing seems to be working for everybody. Like everybody's doing this. Why do I have to not do that? How is that better? Example. How is it better to not be having sex outside of marriage? Like, it seems like everybody's so fulfilled by that. I don't know if you guys have realized, but the world is not very fulfilled in the area of relationships. Regardless of what the movies might say, if you look around in real life, nobody's life looks like the movies. but we will pattern our lives after what we see on a film. Like we'll really, like guys will go pursue a woman in the way they saw it on TV. Or a woman will expect the pursuit of a man to be similar to the one that she saw on TV. And we don't realize how our brains are being wired for straight deception. And then we're like, this is working for everybody. God, why do you want me to do something different? And God is like, it's working for everybody. 50% of your city has AIDS. It's working for everybody. Abortions are skyrocketing. It's working for everybody. Over half of marriages are ending. It's working for everybody. Almost everyone's depressed. Yet we don't see it. It's working for everybody. Why is everyone experiencing anxiety and no one has a solution for it? It's not working. And God knows that. That's why he's the gift. He's the one who brings us fulfillment. He's the one who brings us satisfaction. His way is perfect. His way is the way. He didn't say, I came to offer you a way. I came to offer you the way. I came to offer you the way, the truth, the life. There is no other way. If there was another way, I wouldn't be telling you to do this because there would be another option. But there isn't another option. That's why I'm not giving it to you because it's not a better option. So when I'm telling you, hey, don't do this, that's because it's the best option coming from the God who is perfect. And he said, 
if you as evil men know how to give good gifts to your son, does anybody feel like they're good at giving Christmas gifts? Yeah, some of you guys do. It's okay. Some people are like good at giving gifts. And he's like, if you, a sinful, evil, rebellious person in your heart, know how to give good gifts, and specifically to your children, like you know how to give good gifts to your children. Like if your son asks for a piece of bread, you're not going to give him a rock or a snake or a scorpion. That would be crazy. So why do you expect that your father in heaven is not wanting good things for you and is wanting to give you something bad instead of something good? That's not his goal. So he's not saying, hey, don't do this because it's fun. And I don't want you to have fun. And I don't want you to do well in life. So I don't want you to do this. That's not what he's doing. He's saying you're asking for bread and you're picking up a snake. You're asking for a husband, but you're picking up a snake. You're asking for a wife and you're picking up a snake. And I'm trying to give you what you're asking for. But you seem to be confused as to what you're looking for and what you're asking for. Because you say you're looking for a godly man and it's so hard to find one. And yet all the bait you put out is for ungodly men and what they're attracted to. And all the other girls on IG are looking like this and they seem to get these guys and all the guys cheat on them. But they seem to get all the attention at least for a few months. And then they have somebody new who also doesn't love them. But, but then you're taking the same approach. And, and as guys, we're looking for all the wrong things. And we're saying, God, I want a wife. But I also want her to look like this girl over here who's not a wife, not nobody's wife, and not looking for a husband. I want a wife that doesn't look like she's looking for a husband, but I want her to be a wife. I want a wife, but I'm looking for somebody who is going to be perpetually single in my approach. A snake, indeed. And we're weighing these things out like, God, I don't know if your plan is really going to work for me. God, I don't know if I listen to you, like if this is really going to work. And he's like, I got to imagine like God is like, are you like for real? God himself. I mean, been around forever, has no beginning. That's you can think about that for eternity. God has no beginning. How does that work? He's always been alive, like always. This, if you just think about God for long enough, you could spend your whole life thinking about him. And yet we spend our whole lives thinking about everything else. And this is the issue, especially with the church, because the church is supposed to be the salt of the earth. The church is supposed to be the light of the world. And yet we're over here dim as everybody else, chasing the same things that they're chasing. Man, how many people are we seeing that feel called to the entertainment industry or to influence the influencers and yet are only being influenced by the influencers? And you say that you're called to minister to these people, but they really only minister to you. And so you really only become more like them and you're not even really trying to stand up and say anything. And you're really just a fan of them, and yet you say you're called to minister to them. I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings, but I think it's important for you to know because you're not called to minister to these people that you're following. We're called to follow Jesus. Jesus is the primary influencer in my life. Like, I'm not looking at how everybody else is doing Christianity and then judging Christianity. I'm looking at Christ because Christianity is just following Christ. I'm looking at Christ and how he chooses to do life, how he tells me to do life. And that's what I'm trying to measure up to because I'm starting to understand the gift of God. 
and who he is. And so as I mentioned, man, if, if you uh, maybe don't fully understand, if you look at the Old Testament, I want us to look at uh, Leviticus, probably haven't read that in a while, Leviticus chapter 9, uh, and I'm going to skip a few verses, but I'm going to start with 1 through 6. It says, on the eighth day, this is the establishment of the priesthood. And so like this is the first time priests are being established. Not Catholic priests, it was different. But these are the people who are ministering before God in the temple. Like the temple is being established where there's actually going to be like a place where God's presence dwells and a way for human beings to interact with him, which was never available before. It was a big deal. We take it for granted because we could just walk up in church or in reality, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we don't even need to go anywhere to interact with God, but we don't really appreciate it because we don't understand that that wasn't even always available. And so in Leviticus 9, it says, on the eighth day, Moses summoned Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. He said to Aaron, take a bull calf for your sin offering and a ram for your burnt offering, both without defect, and present them before the Lord. Then say to the Israelites, take a male goat for a sin offering, a calf and a lamb, both a year old and without defect, for a burnt offering, an ox and a ram for a fellowship offering to sacrifice before the Lord, together with a grain offering mixed with olive oil. For today, the Lord will appear to you. That was a lot. The goal was for God to appear to them. But all these things had to be done first. And it wasn't for no reason. In fact, it says, he said to the priest, first, like you're called to do ministry, but you're sinful. And so first, you're going to have to make a sacrifice. And I know we here make sacrifice. And it's like, oh, man, they had to like just make a sacrifice. And we don't really think about what that means. He's saying take a bull calf. All right. So take a baby bull for your sin offering and a ram for your birth, your, for your burnt offering, both without defect. So these people are raising these animals and then they got to take the best one. And then they have to slaughter it. This was the priest. First, he had to do that for himself. And then it says, say to the Israelites, take a male goat for a sin offering, a calf and a lamb, both a year old and without defect for a burnt offering, an ox and a ram. So you you telling me. All of y'all have to take a male goat, a calf, and a lamb, and an ox, and a ram. Beans, greens, all right. <laughs> For a fellowship offering. So all of you guys, I, I was talking to my friend earlier who uh, actually experienced some of you guys from other countries especially may be familiar with this. We don't do it here because we just go to the store and buy meat like already packaged. We don't know what it looked like. We don't know who killed it. We don't know what we're even buying. We just, this says chicken, I'm gonna grab this chicken. Uh, this is steak, I'm gonna grab this steak. Most of us aren't familiar with killing an animal. So you're telling me, I have to kill four animals with my bare hands. I can't shoot it? This is gruesome. I've got to tie this animal up. A bull may not be easy. What if it's not wanting to be tied up? (laughs) Think about it. I got to take that because I can't even, like God wants to appear to me, but he can't because something's got, like something's got to pay for all this sin I've been doing. God wants to appear to me. Like he's saying The Lord is going to appear to you once you do all these things because y'all got sin. Like the sin offering was for unintentional sin. So this, y'all got to kill these animals for the sins you didn't even realize you committed. Somebody's got to die for that. Y'all don't even understand how holy God is. That he's saying, I I actually want a relationship with you. I actually want to appear to you guys today. But you have been so rebellious against me You've sinned against me in a way you couldn't even imagine because you're a human and you think it's just like offending another human, but this is God who created you. And so he's different. Holy just means different. And so 
you're going to have to kill these animals, slit their throat, and watch the life drain out of them and understand that that should be you for the stuff you didn't even mean to do. And then you're going to have to kill some more for the stuff you did mean to do and burn it. And this is going to cost you because these are your animals. These aren't like wild animals. These are animals that you're raising, that you're feeding, that you're paying for with your money. And then you just got to kill it and burn it. Because something's got to die. It should be you, but I'm going to let you transfer this temporarily to this animal. So they had to place their hand on the animal's head as a sign that like, okay, this animal is going to pay for this sin. And then they had to do the grain offering mixed with olive oil that was that was. Uh, accompanied by all the burnt offerings, a fellowship offering (laughs) to express gratitude. All this just for God to show up. It says, then Aaron lifted his, so skip down some verses after they did all that. It says, then Aaron lifted his hands toward the people and blessed them. And having sacrificed the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the fellowship offering, he stepped down. Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting. When they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. So God wanted to appear to his people. He wanted to reveal himself to his people. But all this stuff was in the way. And this was just for a one time like occurrence, like that they're seeing all this happen. This isn't even like daily. It's not like they could go back the next day and be like, hey, God, I was thinking about this. Could you uh, answer this question for me? Wasn't available. Only the priests were able to engage with God. And it wasn't like this intimate relationship. It was, it was like a, a, a placekeeper where it's like, I want relationship with you guys, but reality is you all have to die to pay for the egregious sins that you've committed against me. And I can't really have a relationship with you if you're dead So we're going to have to have these animals take your place. As tragic as that is, it's not like God was just like happy about that. But it's like this is going to be a placekeeper so that I can even dwell among you because he's a God of such justice that he's not just going to be like, okay, sin, no big deal. Just like when somebody does something against you, you don't want it to just be no big deal and anybody could just do whatever to you. Now, imagine that on the level of God. He's unwavering, eternal. The same God who had no beginning makes the rules and has good for us. And everything he he prescribes to us is good. But it's this sin, it's this rebellion that gets in the way of him being able to interact with us. And so uh, what we see in Hebrews 7, talking about the priesthood, is talking about Jesus, it says, but he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. So those priests who were making sacrifices, there were plenty of them, but they died. But Jesus lives forever. He has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. So these priests ongoing, what they would have to do uh, was they would have to make sacrifices every single day for their sins and for the sins of the people. And what this is saying is Jesus has become our high priest forever saying that he's the one who's actually able to save us because those priests, they were making like temporary payments on this debt that couldn't be paid for us. Such a high priest truly meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. 
And so Jesus says to the woman, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew that I'm, I'm here so that you can actually have relationship with me, if you knew that your sins are expensive, that it's not no big deal, that you don't approach God casually, you can't even approach him with what you have going on unless I pay for it and I have to pay a high price. My blood, my flesh, marred. I have to be murdered in a gruesome way, the perfect lamb of God. This is why we call Jesus the lamb of God, the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. God himself became the lamb and offered himself to be bound and offered himself to be cut, offered himself to be bruised, offered himself to have the blood drained out of him. To pay for us to have relationship with God. And if we knew the gift of God, we would respond differently. And so there's three things that I want you to take away from here. One, true worship comes from the knowledge of who God is and what he has done for us. To truly live a lifestyle of worship committed to God, it comes from this understanding. When you understand who Jesus is, and then it's like, I'm not really tripping about all this other stuff. Like God has come to give me relationship with him and eternal life. He's taken the keys of sin and of death. There's nothing, there's nothing that can harm me at this point. My life here is temporary, and however it goes, I can spend eternity with him, not even thinking about what was going on here, whether it was amazing or whether it was terrible in my eyes. Let him be glorified. Think about it. Eternity. Most of us don't think about it. It's very hard to grasp, but that's why it's important for us to pray for God to give us understanding because if we have no concept of eternity, if we don't think about it, then we won't know the gift of God. But we'll, we will give our lives to God out of gratitude for eternity. I mean, you're telling me that I get to spend all of eternity. I can't even imagine living forever because this brain can't comprehend it. But I'm going to get to heaven. I'm going to have a new body and you're gonna wipe away every tear from our eyes. You're gonna be our God, we'll be your people. Your plans won't end. It's not like you're never gonna do anything again. We're just getting started. Think about this, you're talking about eternity. Right now we're just getting started because he hasn't even reconciled things yet. Things are still a mess here. The world is full of sin and darkness and rebellion. And things can't stay this way. His kingdom has to invade. He has to fully establish his kingdom because he reigns. And he's not just going to let things stay this way. And so we have this opportunity to be a part of what he's doing and commit ourselves to him and say, God, I appreciate the gift that you've given me. Or or we have the opportunity to say, no, I don't want that. And that's our choice. But it says when he comes, he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. He's going to separate the people who have chosen to do life with him who know the gift of God and who it is that's speaking to them and have chosen to ask him for what they need. And then he's going to put the people who are too wrapped up in everything going on here to care about him, to not understand the fact that he shed his blood, gave his life for their sins. The fact that he's offered relationship and they've denied it and rejected it. Those people are going to be separated and there are going to be no more chances for them, but for the people that he's doing life with, things are just getting started. Now we have all of eternity to live in the way that God intended for us to live when he put Adam in the garden. Free relationship, purpose, fulfillment. He put Adam in the garden and told him to work it. Work won't end, work will just become purposeful and perfect. We'll still have things to do. There will be plenty to do. We have all of eternity. You're not just going to be sitting around doing nothing. This is God. Jesus said, my father's always working. So he's not going to stop working. He's going to get things started because he's like, I need to rectify things in order to do what I really want to do. 
Oh, if we understood that. If we're like, God is just getting started. So like who gets elected is not going to matter in a million years. And I don't know what I'm going to be doing, but things are going to be perfect. And so in the grand scheme of things, this is a small issue. And it's not that it doesn't matter at all, but I'm not going to spend my life worried about it. Okay. The knowledge of who God is. T.D. Jake says your understanding is the truth you stand under. If you will stand under the truth of who God is, of the fact that Jesus is the gift of God, and you just stand under that truth, your life will look remarkably different. Two, true, true worship comes from a place of satisfaction. And so Jesus says to the woman, uh, everyone who drinks of this water, she's like, you are offering me this living water. Please give that to me so I don't have to keep coming back to this well because the well was like 75 to 125 feet deep. And so it wasn't easy to get water out of that well. I think that's also maybe why she was stalling in the conversation. Like, why are you asking me for a drink? And I got to put this thing down 100 feet. I don't feel like doing that. (laughs) And he's like, I'm going to go to the cross. You can't give me a drink of water. And that's what some of our lives look like. Like, I went to the cross, and you can't open your Bible because it's boring to you. All right. Jesus said to her, John 4, 13 through 14, uh, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And... This just shows that gratitude and contentment mark a lifestyle of true worship. And so what he's saying is, you know, after he says the Father is looking for worshipers who will worship in spirit and truth, like what he's implying is that whoever receives this eternal life from Jesus Christ is going to never thirst again. And so they're not going to spend their lives chasing these temporary things. And so she's coming to this well every day and he's like, you're going to the wrong place. You're going to this well every day and you're, and you're thinking that, this, that water is what's gonna sustain you, but what I'm telling you is I'm offering you something that you can come to every day that's much greater than this. In the same way, you and me are offered a well that never runs dry in Jesus Christ. And when we grasp that, when we have a knowledge of that, there's a contentment that comes in that. The fact that Jesus Christ has paid for my sins, The fact that I can, as long as there's breath in my lungs, I can go to God and ask for forgiveness. And he says in the the Lord's prayer, he says that we should pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And I can pray that every single day. Like, God, I'm going to clear everybody's slate because I want you to forgive me. And I understand the gift that that is. And so I'm going to give that gift away and receive that gift. And I'm going to be able to continually come to you for forgiveness and you'll wipe the slate clean and you have grace for me and you'll wash me clean and you'll cleanse me and you'll speak to me. And you'll give me purpose in life. There's, so after that, there's not much anybody else can offer me. Eternal life or a car, like eternal life or a bigger bank account. The things that we are wrestling with really don't compare to God. I'm a close, man. I'm a close. Um, (laughs) True worship comes from transparency as well. And so we have to worship with the understanding that we know God and that God knows us. One of the other responses that he gives to the woman after he says, "Um, I'll give you this, this living water. Go get your husband and come back. And she says, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. And it just reminded me of this other scripture in Hebrews that says, uh, in Hebrews 4.13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of, t- of him to whom we must give account. We can't hide anything from him. And there's beauty in that. Like, God, you know everything about me. 
You know everything that's going on. You know every thought that I have. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from you. And so that was really a gift that, that Jesus was sharing with her. Like, yeah, and I, like, I'm telling you that I'm going to give this to you. And by the way, I know everything you have going on. Like, I know all this mess you have going on. All the things that you think might stand in the way of us being in a relationship with each other, I know about them. I know about them. And I'm here to redeem you. And so as we close, I just want us to, to think about this, man. You know, Jesus is, is encountering this woman in just her everyday life, everyday activities, and offering her something that she's been chasing, that she's been looking for. And I would say Jesus is doing the same thing for each and every one of us. He's encountering us on a Tuesday, maybe while we're watching online or while we showed up here. Maybe we didn't even feel like coming today. Maybe we were wrestling with like, man, well, God, you haven't done this for me. You haven't done that for me. And and even in the midst of that, you know, even in the midst of the ways that we may be disappointing, God is still reaching out his hand and saying, I know what you have going on. I want relationship with you. If you knew the gift, if you knew the gift that was in my hands, like if you could just grasp what I'm trying to give to you, you would be running after me for it. Like if you knew the satisfaction that I could bring you, you would be running after me. Nothing else would matter to you in life if you understood it. And I believe that God wants us to understand that. I believe that God wants you to understand that. I believe God wants me to understand that. So for you, this woman is going to this well all the time and she's like, oh, well, if you have something better for me, let me know so I don't have to come to this well. For you, what's the well that you've been going to? Is there a well that maybe you've been going to for approval, for satisfaction, for affection, Is there maybe something you've been going to every day and you're like, man, if you have something better, I would, I would like that. I'm telling you that Jesus has something better for you. Something better than you could imagine. And I know that, you know, sometimes it could be difficult to give up what's in your hand because you feel like it's so precious, even though it's <laughs> meaningless in the grand scheme of things. In the grand scheme of things, and I'm not, I'm not talking down on what you're wrestling with, but just in the grand scheme of things, like God, has given us salvation. God sent his son to his son to die for us. Like we can't even understand the concept of God having a son. And yet he sent his son to die for us and and do all these things that we can barely even understand. And he's got this whole plan for all of eternity that he wants to include us in. He wants to include you in what he's doing. And so in the grand scheme of things, anything that we're worried about, it just isn't worth it. And so I want us to stand to our feet and the worship team is gonna come out. And earlier Jamal was singing about making room and taking it all away. And man, I just believe that if, if that were our posture, on a daily basis. God, take whatever out the way that could be standing in between me and you, that could be impairing me from being able to understand the gift that you have for me, that could be keeping me from seeing the beauty in who you are, anything that could be deceiving me. Scripture tells us to to strip off every weight and every sin that so easily entangles and let us run the race. So I want this to be a time as we sing this song that our hearts connect to God, maybe in a fresh way. He says he's looking for worshipers who will worship, who will live their lives in spirit and in truth, not just with the words of their mouth, but that the words of their mouth would be an expression of what's happening on the inside.
that we would align our hearts and our spirits with who he is and, and his truth and we would worship him with everything that we have from the inside because he's given us his spirit and we are the temple of God. And so we can worship him freely. Man, what would it look like if we did that? I believe it would look a little more like heaven than earth. And so I wanna pray for us and then I want us to go into a time of worship. Like heaven is touching earth. Like God is really here. Like Jesus really conquered sin and death. Like he's really forgiven our sins. Like he's really able to wash us clean. Like he's really sent his spirit to dwell in us. Like he's really given us eternal life and a a greater gift than we could ever imagine. So let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this time. Lord, I thank you that we have the opportunity to even have breath in our lungs to sing to you. Lord, I thank you that you've given us life in our bodies today. And so Lord, we take this time to acknowledge that you are the gift. Jesus, you are the gift. You are everything. You're not a thing in our lives. You are everything. You are worthy of our praise. You have the name that's above every name. You are seated in heavenly places at the right hand of God. And you said that you've blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. That we're seated with you in heavenly places. And so God, would you open our eyes? Would you open our hearts to have have that understanding and to engage with you with that understanding? Lord, I pray for a revelation of your love in hearts tonight. Lord, that we would have a fresh revelation of how much you love us, how much you care for us, how much you wanna speak to us, how much you wanna guide us, how you are the good shepherd in our lives, how you are our provider, how you are our healing, you are our righteousness, you are our banner, you are our victory, you are our everything. You go before us, you come behind us, you surround us, you're the glory within us, you're the fire that surrounds us, Lord. The great I am. Worthy is your name, God. Have your way in this place. Holy Spirit, move in our hearts. Lord, we worship you. We worship you, God. We're grateful. We are thankful for who you are. We thank you that you inhabit the praises of your people. Be glorified in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you for listening. We're so glad to have you as a part of our community. If you want to get connected any further, please visit fusionatl.org. You can get plugged into a small group there, and you can also send in a prayer request so that we can pray for you. Once again, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Fusion ATL.